بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين وصلى الله وبارك على أشرف الأنبياء والمرسلين نبينا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه وسلم تسليما كثيرا أما بعد الحمد لله We, in the previous lesson, began with a short introduction to the book of the Tahkam by Abdul Ghani al Maqdisi. And Yusuf began with the first hadith. Also began with the first uh, hadith. Alhamdulillah. No. No. Which was the hadith in a malabiniyat. Indeed, actions are by. Their intentions. And so, we go to our second hadith today. And inshallah, we'll have time to cover one hadith, which is a hadith narrated by Abi Huraira. Does anyone have the, the text with them? This is a hadith narrated by Abi Huraira radiallahu anhu and the Nabiya sallallahu alayhi wa sallam aqal la yakbalallahu salata ahadikum idha ahdafa hatta yatawadda and so the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam he stated that Allah ta'ala does not accept the salah the prayer of one of an individual if he nullifies or if he uh, nah, due to nullification until he makes wudu until he performs ablution and this hadith of course as we know is mutafaqan alayh naam this hadith is mutafaqan alayh found in Bukhari and Muslim why why is that? Because the whole book, all of the ahadith are mutafakan alayhi. All of the narrations are mutafakan alayhi. Walhamdulillah, Shaykh Ufaymin, rahimahullah, thereafter he mentions the Rasmu Tarjama for the narrator of this hadith, as Sahabi, Al Jalil. Abu Huraira, I mentioned his biography in, in some small, small uh, uh, set of words, and a small paragraph. 
And so he mostly mentions like, the Rawi of the Hadith, Abu Huraira. He's Abu Huraira Abdurrahman ibn Sakhr al-Dawsi. And so his name is Abdurrahman ibn Sakhr al-Dawsi. Even though you find that there's some khilaf, some, some uh, ikhtilafat in relation to his name, the strongest of that is that his name is Abdurrahman ibn Sakhr al-Dawsi. Shaykh of Amin goes on to mention, Aslama Amr Khaybar, wa shahidaha, wa lazama al-Nabiya sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, tina bi hadithi. Wa'tina, wa'tana bi hadithi. And so, he embraced Islam, in the year of Khaybar, in the battle of Khaybar, which was what year? That look very guessy. <laughs> it's not it. <laughs> the Battle of Khaybar this year. We weren't far off, by the way. Seven. Seven, no. So the Battle of Khaybar, he embraced Islam in the, uh, in the same year as the Battle of Khaybar. The seventh year, Battle of Hijrah. And he accompanied the Messenger of Allah, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, and gave great importance to his narrations. And so, as is mentioned as well, right, so he, he embraced Islam in the, the year of the Battle of Khaybar, as well as the fact that he was actually present during that battle. So he was present during the battle. And... He was from those that were known to give great importance in the hadith of the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. And so Bukhari mentions in relation to him in relation to, in relation to uh, Abu, Abu Huraira he mentioned Rahimahullah that Abu Huraira Kana Abu Huraira Ahfadha man rawal hadith fi asrihi that he was the most in terms of those that narrated the hadith of the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam in his time and they mentioned a particular number they mentioned that he narrated 5,374 hadith. I, this is what was mentioned by uh, some Ahl al ilm that he, mentioned, that he narrated 5,374 hadith. And he was no doubt regarded as being from amongst the Mukfirin of the Sahaba. So he was regarded as being from those companions that narrated the most amount of hadith. And in terms of the adad, the number of these mukthirin, then there are seven. Now there are seven. Did you mention them last week? No. Khalas, we mentioned them this week. Tell you. So, of those seven, they are who? So you have Abu Huraira, of course, who's the, who rented the most. Now. 
عبد الله بن عمر انس بن مالك جابر بن عبد الله نعم عائشه ام المؤمنين مش انس بن مالك نعم خالد النبي عليه الصلاه والسلام ابن عباس ابو سعيد الخدري ابو سعيد الخدري And so these are from, these are the Mukfirun of the companions. Right? Those companions that narrated more than 1,000 hadith. And the most from them, no doubt, was Abu Huraira, as mentioned, Abu Abdurrahman, and Sakhadawsi. Thereafter, thereafter, Sheikh Ufimi mentioned to Wufia. سنة سبعة وخمسين في المدينة رضي الله عنه. And so he died in the year fifty-seven after the Hijra. He died in the year fifty-seven after the Hijra, رضي الله عنه. And he died in Al Medina. So he died in Al Medina. Now. As for the hadith, then Shaykh Ufaymin, he mentions that the mawdu'ah of this hadith, the topic of this hadith, is that it's the bayan al-hukum, hukum al-salah bidun al-wudu. So this hadith clarifies the ruling of a person praying without wudu. The ruling of the person praying without wudu. And so, within this hadith, we have specific wordings. From them, is لا يقبل الله صلاة أحدكم إذا أحدث. This word لا يقبل. I لا يقبل أو يقبل is referring to generally any action. So any action cannot be done or referring to generally the, the affair of the salah يعني, cannot be performed without the wudu. And so it's a general affair of it not being accepted. The la in this, in this uh, narration, the word la is what is referred to as, in Arabic uh, grammar, لا النافية للجنس لا النافية للجنس So this لا النافية للجنس means that it's absolute. It's an absolute negation. So for example, if you have another form of لا, then there's a degree of احتمال. It's a possibility that is it can be affirmed. As for la nafil jints, then it's an absolute negation. Uh, an example of that, an example of the la nafil jints, would be also where we state in the shahadatain, la ilaha illallah. Yani la ilaha illallah. Yani the word or the first word la. Here is la anafil jins. 
Whilst ilaha is what is referred to as ismla. It's referred to as the ismla, i.e. the word that the la is acting upon. This ismun la is referred to in Arabic language as mansub. That takes fatha. Sound of mansub is the fatha. And so when we state la ilaha illallah, then it's an absolute negation of the presence of a deity worthy of worship. So we state la ilaha and is not there is no deity in an absolute sense. There's no deity in the absolute sense worthy of worship. Then we mentioned ifbat illallah. Besides Allah. Going back to this hadith we have here, the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he mentions, La yaqbal Allahu salata. So in this case, in, this, in the case of this hadith, the word salata is your ismullah, the word that the la is acting upon. This, is, this means, no doubt, that there is absolutely no salah that will be accepted. Absolutely no salah that will be accepted without the wudu. Naam, no salah will be accepted without the wudu. And this uh, this mentioning of yeah, that Allah Ta'ala will not accept, this is am, the jami al muhdithin. So this is for everyone that is in that state of impurity. Naam, so it's general for anyone that's in a state of impurity. And when, it's, when it states either the salah is not accepted, then we understand that this is irrespective of whatever salah it is. Whether it be the salah which is uh, fart, or the salah which is yani salah nafila, from the nawafil. So whether it be an, an obligatory prayer, or whether it be a prayer which is voluntary, it's general. And the salah will not be accepted unless the person performs the wudu. Naam. And what we understand also from this Barakallah is that this is in relation to every type of salah. From that as well is the Salatul Janazah. And the Salatul Janazah. Due to the fact that you have some of, uh, it's a call amongst some of the Fuqaha, where they state that the Salatul Janazah is permissible for it to be prayed without Tahara. So they mentioned that Salat al-Janazah can be prayed as an istithna, yeah, it's an exception, without tahara. This is the qawl among some of the fuqaha. The reality is, is that particular qawl, that particular opinion, is one which is weak. Na'amu is one which is weak. Why? Because the Salat al-Janazah essentially, yutlaq alayh, or yutlaq alayha, ismu salat. Yeah, and it's given the name of the salah. And we understand that the salah, in reference to 
what is mentioned about the salah, Nabi alayhi salatu wasalam mentions tahrimuha a takbir wa tahliluha a taslim. At the entrance of the salah, at the tahrim and entrance of the salah is the takbir. Whilst the one being released from the salah or the, the, the ending or leaving of the salah is the taslim. And so this is still the case with the Salat al-Janazah. You begin the Salat al-Janazah with the Takbir. And you end the Salat al-Janazah with the Taslim. And so we understand again from that, that the Salat al-Janazah is generally regarded as being from the Salawat. And then thus it falls into the general statement as well, where the Messenger of Allah, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, mentions that the Salat will not be accepted, I know salah is accepted. Na'afu except with the wudu. I don't want for the state of impurity except for in wudu. Now. And. What is understood by Qubul. I had acceptance in this regard. What is understood by that. Is that the acceptance is in relation to the one attaining reward due to the fact that they pray Alawaj Sharai. And so, it's not only is it a case that they have to be in a state of purity, of course, but they are establishing the prayer in a manner which is affirmed by the Sharia. I.e., in accordance with the hadith of the Messenger of Allah, Sallallahu Alaihi is a hadith. Due to his mentioning, Sallu, Kamara'aytamuni or Salli. Pray if you see me pray. So this is a command from him, Alayhi Salatu Wasallam. And so, whilst the person performs the Salah, adhering to his shurut, his conditions, adhering to the arkan, his pillars, adhering to the wajibat, his obligations, Amongst that is that the person must be in a state of tahara. He mustn't be in a state of purity. If he wants, of course, for that salah to be accepted, they must be in that state of purity. And Allah Ta'ala knows best. And thereafter, what we understand from this as well, from this word and if the person nullifies that state of purity, that built this upon this uh, this this wording here, we can derive the qaida al mushura, the well-known principle, al yakin layzul bishak. That certainty is not removed by doubt. Due to the fact that the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam the Nabi alayhi salatu wasalam mentions if the person nullifies I nullifies that state of purity. And so if the person nullifies the state of purity I nullifies their wudu then of course, they have to perform the wudu, renew the wudu. 
However, it will not be said about an individual that they've nullified that state unless it's upon certainty. So you wouldn't say about an individual, for example, they've nullified their wudu. And this statement wouldn't be made about an individual. A person would not make a statement about themselves unless, naam, unless they have a degree of certainty with that. And so this is something which is dependent again upon their certainty. And also within this narration as well, where the Nabi alayhi salatu wasalam, he mentions, La yakbal Allah salat ahadikum. Allah does not accept the salat of the individual. Either ahadath, and if they nullify their, their purity, wudu. Illa tawadda. Until or until they make the wudu. This narration here by the Qurafiqo, the nafi, the negation, is what is referred to as a nafi ila al ghaya. And so it's a negation until a certain practice or a certain action has been fulfilled. So it's negated until a certain action has been fulfilled. So in this regards to this narration, it's negating the fact that the person is in a state of purity. And there's no state of purity until a, per a particular action has been fulfilled. The action that's been fulfilled or the action that needs to be fulfilled in this regard is the tahara, the wudu. So, the particular action needs to be fulfilled, which is the wudu. So it's an absolute negation. A nafi in a ghaya. So it's, a, it's an absolute negation until this occurs. Naam. that the person performs the wudu and Allah Ta'ala knows best. From the fawaid of this hadith, from the benefits of this hadith, as mentioned by Sheikh Uthaymeen, rahimahullah. He mentioned that the salah is from the maqbul and from the mardud. فما كان على وفق الشرع فهو مقبول وما لم يكن على وفقه فهو مردود. And so, Shaykh Uthaymeen, rahimahullah, he mentions that the salah, you have the salah which is maqbul. The Islam which will be accepted and Islam which will be rejected. If the individual prays and is in accordance with the Sharia, then it will be accepted. However, if it's not in accordance with the legislation of Sharia, then it will be rejected. And this is the case with all of the actions of ibadah. Due to the statement of the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, مَنْ عَمِلَ عَمَلًا لَيْسَ عَلَيْهِ عَمَرُنَا هَذَا أو عَمَرُنَا فَهُوَ الرَّدِّ مَنْ عَمِلَ عَمَلًا لَيْسَ عَلَيْهِ عَمَرُنَا فَهُوَ الرَّدِّ That whoever 
does an action that is not from our affair, then it is rejected. Right, the action is rejected. That's lost the first benefit that we can take from this narration. The second, Anna Salah, Fardaha, Nafalaha. Anna Salah, Fardaha, Wanafalaha, Hatta Salah Janaza, La took well illa, or Ida Salaha, a Muhdith. ولو كان ناسيا حتى يتوضا وكذلك الجنب إذا صلى قبل أن يقتصر and so the one that will raise to the prayer whether it be the obligatory prayer or the voluntary prayer is not accepted now including Salah al-Janaz as we mentioned earlier is not accepted if the individual prays whilst they're in the, in the state of impurity, even if they have forgotten, so even if they've forgotten, then it will not be accepted until they perform the wudu. Likewise as well, the one that is in the state of janaba, until they perform the ghusl, until they perform the ghusl. Why do you why do you think that this uh, in this narration it mentions the wudu but not the ghusl? Or how can we derive the ghusl from this particular narration? So the mention of ahdath in the hadath in the state of impurity. What else as well? Because the narration mentions Ahdath, however, that's re- referring to yani, the dimensions after that, the wudu. But we know, of course, that the wudu is not sufficient to remove yani, the major impurity. So, what else? How do we understand from this narration? Or how can we derive from this narration the affair of the ghusl? Now. So if it's a case that you that is imperative that the person has tahara, has to be in a state of, of purity for the minor impurity, then in Bab Ola it goes without saying, and it, and it has to be mentioned. It has to be a case, the case for the major impurity. If it's a must that the person has to be in a state of purity for that which is minor, the smaller, then of course the major requires even more so that they have to be in that state of purity. Now, the third benefit we can take. From this narration, and the salatul muhadith haram hat yatawadda li anna Allah la yakbaluha. Wataqarrub ila Allah, wataqarrub ila Allah bima la yakbaluhu muhadatun lahu wa nawan min al istihza. And so, the salah from the benefits you have is a salah. Of the one that has nullified their purity, their tahara. The salah of such an individual is haram. Naam, it's haram for the individual to pray, yani, knowingly, whilst being in a state of impurity. 
Now, why do you say knowingly? Why do you mention specifically knowingly? Why do you say that it's a haram if it's, if it's knowing, knowingly? Nam. So why though? Uh, excuse because of ignorance. Excuse because of ignorance. Or 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 to make to make the question more dakik, let's say what's the delay? What's the proof? Rabbana la to akhidna in the sina awakta'ana. Or our Lord do not hold us to account if we forget or we fall into error. So an individual may have forgot. Naam. And forgot and then he's prayed. And then he, but even if he forgot, as you mentioned, if the person remembers, well, or when they remember, they have to go and perform the wudu. They have to perform the wudu. And, uh, or the salah will not be accepted. Along with that, Barakallahu Fiku, the Shaykh of, uh, Shaykh of Amin, mentioned, and this is the speech of Samar Ahmed Ilm as well. That the one that knowingly prays uh, without being in the state of Tahara, this is a note, this is a form of mockery, mockery of the Sharia. For indeed Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has legislated for the individual to perform the wudu uh, or perform ghusl you need to, to, to purify oneself and so now if an individual does not do so and does, doesn't do so knowingly this is a no this is a form of mockery of deen what you see as well from the practices of some of the magicians the sorcerers is that from their actions well, on their actions of taqarrub ila shayateen. So from the actions that they perform in order to draw closer to the shayateen is that you will find that they will perform these, perform these actions. For example, the salawat directly or deliberately outside or deliberately without being in a state of purity. And of course... They will do it to the worst, in the worst effect. So they will perform the salah whilst, for example, they've just used the bathroom. Say so maybe maybe went to the toilet, directly came straight out of the toilet and performed the salah. Now it was the action of the karub didn't seek an to the shayateen and essentially istihza of deen. They're making mockery of the deen of Allah wa ta'ala. And these are examples of what or the actions that are performed in order for an individual to draw nearer to the shayateen. And so we understand from that, essentially, the grave nature of the one that knowingly prays without being in a state of purity. The one that knowingly prays without performing wudu. That it's an evil act in of itself. Wallahu ta'ala a'alam. The next benefit we can take from this narration as well is mentioned by Sheikh of Amin and the insan is that tawadda al salah, thumma dakhala alayhi waqt al salah ukhra, wa huwa ala taharati, lam yajib alayhi al wudu, maratun taniya. 
And so, what we understand from this as well is that if the person has made wudu for the salah, for example, the person has made wudu for salat al dhuhr, for salat al dhuhr, and now of course they're in the state of tahara. Then the salat al asr comes, and they ha they haven't broken the wudu. Then they can still continue the prayer and pray asr based upon this, the first wudu that they made for Salat al-Dhuhr. We understand this due to the fact that in the narration it mentions, and Nabi alayhi salatu mentions, إِذَا أَحْدَثْ If the person nullifies and then enters the state of impurity. So if the person لَمْ يُحْدِثْ so the person does not enter that state of impurity. Then we understand from that that the individual doesn't have to make the wudu again. Naam. There are some exceptions to them. For example, what? What are some exceptions to where they would have to repeat the wudu? No. No, for for the woman example, for example, no. Yeah. If the woman suffers from what is referred to as istihada, so the woman suffers from what is referred to as istihada, and is istihada is where she has irregular bleeding. No, she has irregular bleeding. So it's not the bleeding of the head, ulanifas. So it's not the breed, the bleeding of the menses, nor is it the bleeding of the of um, the postpartum bleeding rather it is regarded as being yani, um, irregular bleeding and as mentioned by some of the scholars that this particular type of bleeding is understood that it does not emanate from the womb it's not the bleeding that comes from the womb the bleeding of the head so the bleeding of the of the menses or the bleeding of the the post of the, the postpartum this is regarded as being the bleeding that comes from the womb. And so that's the particular ahkam. As for the irregular bleeding, then upon the woman is to continue the salah, continue praying. If now uh, the woman, she is in a state, then upon her is to clean any blood, clean the area, as well as uh, perform the wudu again. So in this scenario, it's, it cannot be said that she can uh, continue upon the same affair of tahara. So, same example for you have, for example, she performs a wudu for um, salat al dhuhr. She performs a wudu for salat al dhuhr. Thereafter, because she has this irregular bleeding, salat al asr, when the salat al asr comes in, she has to perform the wudu again. Even if she hasn't done anything in terms of the nullifiers of the wudu. So nothing has occurred for the nullifiers of the wudu. For example, she hasn't used the bathroom. No. That's one example. Another example is what? Of where the person may even have to perform the wudu. Again.
uh, the condition regarding the the, the mezid. Now, so if the person has post or or pre rather pre seminal fluid, pre seminal fluid, and it's something which is continuous, and the problem is to wash that, wash it as well. Same same ahkam uh, that the person washes it away from the body as well as the clothing and they perform the wudu for each for each time now another example excessive flexion possibly but maybe not possibly not but from that same verb for example to sosan al is any person that has was referred to as incontinence. So where the person is uh, constantly uh, urinating. So they're not able to stop urination or they're not able to have any control over urination. So if this in this scenario, upon them again is to wash the body, the body the, wherever the, the urine is reached from the body, as well as the clothing. But they have to perform wudu for each salah, as long as that 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 marad continues, that illness continues. Likewise, as well, whether it be yani, the same for uh, the same for stools, excrement. If the person naam is not able to have the direct control over that, then they have to wash it in the same manner. But since these are some examples of exceptions. However, the general qaida is that if the person is in a state of tahara, then they don't have to renew it for the next salah. The fifth and final benefit mentioned here by Sheikh Ufaymin is that this hadith, from the fawad of this hadith, is a ta'zeem al-sha'an al-salah haytha la yakbaluha Allah ta'ala illa bitaharatin illa bitaharatin and so, within this as well, this narration clarifies the great nature or the, the stature of the salah yani in deen. The stature of the salah in deen, due to the fact that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does not accept it does not accept it except with being in a state of purity now and so it's a must that the person performs the wudu and they purify oneself in order for the action to be accepted yani the salah to be accepted and so just to, due to the fact that the person must purify themselves in order to stand in the salah is illustri- illustrative of the great nature of the salah itself in deen. And that is one that should be, of course, taken seriously in all ways possible. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows best. Inshallah, we'll conclude with that for today, inshallah that particular narration and next week 
we'll go on to discuss our next narration again, still discussing the affair of the wudu. Wallahu ta'ala. A'lam. Zakam la khaira. Wa barakallahu fikum. Wa sallallahu wa barak ala nabiyyina Muhammad. Wa ala alihi wa sahbihi. Wa sallam. Wa akhada awana. Alhamdulillahi wa bil alamin.